Welcome to another podcast by Every Nation Brisbane. We're so glad you can join us here today. For more information about our church, visit us on the web at enbrisbane.org. Please enjoy the following message. Our first reading today is from Joshua 24. I gave you a land on which you had not labored, and cities that you had not built, and you dwell in them. You eat the fruit of vineyards and olive orchards that you did not plant. Now, therefore, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods that your fathers served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. And if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your fathers served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And the people answered, Far be it from us that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. For it is the Lord our God who brought us and our fathers up from the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery, and who did those great signs in our sight and preserved us in all the way that we went and among all the peoples through whom we passed. And the Lord drove out before us all the peoples, the Amorites who lived in the land. Therefore, we also will serve the Lord, for he is our God. Our next reading comes from Matthew 19. Um, Then the children were brought to him that he might might lay his hands on them and pray. The disciples rebuked the people, but Jesus said, Let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for to such belong the kingdom of heaven. And he laid his hands on them and went away. Thank you, Bianca. Let's all bow our heads in prayer, everybody, before we take a seat. Father, thank you for this opportunity to come around your word this uh, morning. We pray, Holy Spirit, that you would come and speak to us. Uh, We want to hear from you, Lord. Direct us, direct our paths, Lord God. We pray for your presence to immerse us in this place, Lord. We want to meet you here in Jesus' name. And everyone said amen. 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 Say hi to three people before you take a seat. Speaking of seats, we have some seats up here on the front area here. Please make use of these seats here. I promise not to bite. Um, Lots of seats, lots of seats. Um, And if you're watching this outside, we've got lots of seats in here as well. For those of you who are watching at at home, welcome. We're glad you could join us here today. My name is Nelly. I'm the senior pastor here at Every Nation Brisbane. Uh, Every Nation Brisbane, we have two locations. We have one that's meeting out in Springwood this morning with Pastor Henry and Helen Peterson and the team out there. And uh, we're here, obviously, in Kupuru, in our central location. So we're really blessed you could join us here um, this morning. And today we're going to be looking at this topic of our family. But I want to give you some context just to help us understand that Every Nation Brisbane is a part of the Every Nation family of churches and ministries that exist to honor God by establishing Christ-centered, spirit-empowered, and socially responsible churches and campus ministries in every nation. We are a part of a family of churches and ministries around the world, and we're really blessed to be a part of that family. So the values that we hold here at Every Nation Brisbane, we are these values here. We've talked about two of them, And today we're going to be focusing on family. We've talked about outreach and we've talked about discipleship, but we will be talking about family. And then next week we'll we'll focus on on, um, on worship. Today I just wanted to, with regards to family, 
our statement is, because the family is the foundation and validation of ministry, we refuse to sacrifice our marriages and our children on the altars of temporal success. And because we believe God has called us to be a spiritual family, we embrace community, reject the idea of disposable relationships, and choose to walk in love, respect, and unity. It's interesting, right, that God's values usually revolve around relationships. Hopefully you've seen that correlation. We're, over the last couple of weeks, we've talked about outreach and we've talked about discipleship and all of those things revolve around relationship. And obviously, family revolves around relationship. For instance, discipleship is relationship. One of the leaders of our movement, Pastor Joey Bonifacio, wrote a, a book um, called The Lego Principle of which he describes that discipleship is centered around relationship. I would venture to go even further that discipleship is relationship growing towards Christ. It's not just hanging out in relationship, but there's point to the relationship. There's uh, direction for the relationship. And so discipleship is relationship, and therefore also outreach is relationship, because we believe that the way that Jesus walked and the way that Jesus uh, discipled and also reached out was based on relationship. But I also want us to understand that family is obviously relationship as well. And so when we look at these hands and these hands together, they represent uh, relationship as well. They represent family, they represent discipleship and outreach. And family, in fact, when we look at the Bible, is how God builds. And so as we're going through today's session, I want to encourage you to take notes because I really believe that God's going to reveal to you how he builds and we can look and assess our lives to see if we are building the way that God wants us to build. How many of you know that God is the master designer, the master builder? When we see him uh, at the start of scripture, we see him creating and building the, the universe and centered around his building of the universe, right at the apex of all of his creation on the sixth day, he creates family. He creates the first man. And then in chapter two, we read that it's not good for a man to be alone. Uh, he's busy working the garden and he's naming the animals and he's out there by himself. How many of you know he wasn't by himself? He had giraffes, he had bears, lions, insects, but he was still alone. And, and so God said, man, it's not good for man to be alone. And so he created woman. And this is the start of relationship. Out of that intimacy, they bore children. And that would be the institute of family. God's design and the way he builds is always around family. We can look at this throughout the rest of scripture, right? When, whenever there is a, a veering away from God's design of family, God always has to press the reset button. Have you noticed this? Like when we look at the example of the flood that happened, it happened because uh, men and women that were walking the earth at that time had diverted away from God's design for family and for relationship that it ended up that there was a flood that came upon the earth and there was a righteous remnant that remained and that righteous remnant was what? A family. Noah, his wife, and his three sons and their wives, Right? And when we see that God always carries out his legacy, no matter what season of famine there was throughout the three generations of what we call the patriarchs in Israelite society, Abraham, your Isaac, and your Jacob, it was always through their families that God would restore. And when we see the greatest famine that was experienced in the book of Genesis, what happened was that Joseph was the instigator of 
the plan of Jacob, right? And they would become family again. When we see Moses, and we'll touch on this in a, a little while, when we see Moses and the, the rest of the Egyptians, uh, the rest of the Israelites in Egyptian slavery, how did he institute? He instituted his family on the earth through the Israelites. There's always a restoration of family. When Jesus himself would come onto the earth, he didn't come fully grown. Like how many of you know he could have easily just descended from the clouds as a, uh, clouds as a fully grown man and said, okay, I've come to save the world. He could have sung it even, right? But he, he chose to come in the form of a what? A baby born in a manger, uh, uh, an animal cave. So he chose the, the, that which was the most powerful, chose to come into the world most vulnerable and into the concept of family with Mary and Joseph. God builds through family. How many of you can see this? Psalm 127 verse 1 says, unless the Lord builds the house, its builders labor in vain. And then in verse 3, it says, children are a heritage from the Lord. It's interesting that he doesn't talk about where, how God builds being uh, uh, like actual bricks and mortar. He talks about how he builds is through family. And God builds here in Brisbane in 2023 through spiritual family. Now, I know there's going to be a juxtaposition when we talk about Australian society and basically Western society that moves towards more of an individualistic focus, that there's the tension, right, where the kingdom of God promotes family and relationship. There's often the tension of trying to isolate and walk on your own, that it's about me and mine and that's it. But the kingdom of God is all about relationship. Greatest commandment, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. Relationship vertically. And you shall love your neighbor as you love yourself. Horizontal relationship. Now, let's go back to the example that I mentioned with regards to Moses. Um, Moses has passed on. He's passed away. He himself did not get to enter into the promised land. There was a land of promise that God promised the people of Israel when they were in Egypt. They were in slavery. And he says, I'm going to take you out of Egypt. I'm going to take you out of slavery. Is, is anybody here thankful that they've been freed from a form of slavery to sin this morning? Because if God has set you free through his gospel, there's a promised land for you, Right? And so with the promised land that was promised to Moses and his spiritual son Joshua, of which we will read and Bianca just read earlier, this land was a land of promise. And it was geographical, but the, the promise for us is what? Eternal life in him. Now, when we talk about eternal life, and I believe the Greek concept of eternal life, when we, when we read about it in, in the New Testament, it's not just talking about living forever, but it's talking about coming alive and knowing him. The key to eternal life is knowing God, not knowing about him. How many of you speak another language other than English? Awesome. So we've got multiple languages in the house, right? Like you know how to speak that language, but you don't have a, like necessarily a, a, a knowing in terms of a relationship with the language. You might be able to use it as a tool. And it's not just knowing God uh, in the sense of, yeah, I know about him, but knowing him in the sense of, being able to relate to him for all of eternity. That's our promised land. So let's go to Joshua 24. If you have your Bible, you can follow me there. Joshua 24, verse 13. 
says, I gave you a land on which you had not labored and cities that you had not built and you dwell in them. You eat the fruit of vineyards and olive orchards that you did not plant. How many of you know that sounds like a message of grace? Like you're living, you're, you're being here in Brisbane, Australia in 2023 is by the grace of God. See, here's, again, the juxtaposition between what God says and what society says. Society says, I have a right to this. I have a right to be alive. I have a right to have the stuff I have. I have a right to have the education I get to have. Whereas what God says is that everything that you have is a gift. You don't deserve it. You don't deserve the breath in your lungs. Go ahead and take a deep breath right now. Go ahead and take it. Exhale real quickly. Just be careful of other people's noses. Just exhale that out. That breath that you just took is by the grace of God. See, when we are human-focused, we would say, when we're self-focused, we worship at the altar of me-ism. We believe that we deserve that breath. It's my entitlement. Whereas what God is trying to say here to the people of Israel, because the people of Israel started getting a little bit entitled. We are entitled to that promised land. God didn't have to bring them out of slavery, but they'd forgotten. And you've heard me say it time and time again that we forget. There's spiritual amnesia that we expose ourselves to from time to time. What do I mean by this, right? The Israelites left on a journey that should have taken them 11 days, but it took them over 40 years. And you'll always hear preachers say, right, the issue was that God couldn't get them out of the desert. The issue was that God couldn't get the desert out of them. How many of us, you know, like even though we know God is real, we know that he is true and everything that he has for us is a blessing, we sometimes fall into the trap of becoming entitled. But when you operate out of the grace of God, when you begin to see that everything that you have is by the grace of God, you begin to see things as beautiful, as beautiful gifts. Everything that you have, every friendship, every relationship you have is a gift. Some of those relationships you may have may not feel like a gift sometimes. You know, you start hanging out with Sister Sandpaper, Brother Abrasive. You know, they just rub me the wrong way, Pastor Nelly. You know, you don't understand. Whenever I get around them, whenever I see them walk in the room, I'm like, oh. But how many of you know they're put into your life to make you more beautiful? Sandpaper smooths things out. Sandpaper smooths out rough edges, and if you're afraid of getting those rough edges smoothed out, you begin to isolate, pull away from relationship. I don't need them. I can walk by myself. Stay over there with your rough self, right? Like God wants us to walk in relationship because it becomes better for us. He makes all things. Ecclesiastes says he makes all things beautiful in his time, and that's what family does. There's sometimes that family feels like family. And there's sometimes that family, you don't want them, right? You don't want them to feel like family. You want to, maybe it's not you. Maybe it's been me in the past, right? Maybe, maybe you've, oh, Pastor Nelly, I don't know what you're talking about. I love my family all the time. I want to be with them forever. But family does make you more beautiful because family's design is beautiful. And you may say to me, okay, Pastor Nelly, you don't know my background. You don't know my family situation. 
You know, some of us may have grown in, in, up in one parent or even no parent households. Maybe we were raised by other relatives or whatever. And we don't have the same, the same starting point. But in God's spiritual family, there's healing, there's restoration, there's modeling for what the Heavenly Father has for us because in spiritual family, God makes all of us beautiful because we get to walk together. Here's, here's one for you, right? This is not good advertising. This is just scriptural. If you walk in spiritual family, you will have the opportunity to get offended. <gasps> You will have chances to get offended by people. But you also have the opportunity to grow in maturity by your response. Do you walk away or do you stay there and work things out? Understanding that God has called us through his cross to reconciliation with humankind. I can see some heads looking down like, Pastor Nelly, you're messing with my life right now. <laughs> Family is the beautiful blessing we don't deserve. To be called out of a place of isolation into family. Psalm 68 says this, right? He calls the desolate that dwell in a dry land into family. He's called us into family. And I'm not being naive here. I know some of us may not have had the best family experiences. Some of us even right now, when I say the word family, you flinch a little bit because there's stuff going on in your family. And I understand that. I understand that. But if the world was perfect, we wouldn't need family. It's, it's in the context of family that we begin to become more sanctified. Sanctification is like a theological term that talks about us becoming more like Jesus. So when we read this, I gave you a land in which you had not labored and cities that you had not built. You dwell in them. You eat the fruit of vineyards. And olive orchards that you did not plant, you begin to see God has put us in situations of grace. Right? And then the next verse says, Now therefore, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods that your father served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. This is Joshua's exhortation to the people of Israel. And if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord. How many of you like when you read that sentence? Is it evil? To serve the Lord? No, it's not. And this is a verse that if you've been in church or you grew up in church, you will have heard a lot. Choose this day whom you will serve. Were the gods of your fathers served in the region beyond the river? The gods of the Amorites in the land whose you dwell? But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Let me read that verse in 2022. Choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods of your fathers that served in the region of which you migrated from to Australia and the gods of the, the area of Queensland in the land of whose you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Oh, these other gods. How many of you know there's, there's other gods in Brisbane? They may not be like physical constructions of animals like you might find in some eastern countries. I remember, because I used to live in Singapore, I remember uh, we used to meet in this area called Serangoon, for those of you who've been to Singapore. Uh, our church is in an area called McPherson, which you have to drive past an area called Serangoon. And Serangoon is like where Little India is. And uh, Little India is like a little suburb, kind of like a Chinatown, but it's full of Indian stores. And um, it's got the only 24-hour mall 
in, uh, in Singapore called Mustafa. Used to love going down there and, and, and checking that out, right? But like um, vibrant place. But I remember driving with one of my friends. I won't say what country he was from, but it was a very Western country, right? And we were driving through there. And there are temples, there are Hindu temples that are there. And he began to speak ill of like the, the temples of the, the constructions. Look at them worshiping their foreign gods. And I said to him regarding the country he comes from, we too in the West have foreign gods. And we too in the West have temples that we go to. They're just not temples that have constructions of animals, they are temples that have car parks and sales, discounts, worshiping at the altar of the information center so we can figure out where to give our tithes and offerings. How many of you know Brisbane has some gods? Brisbane has other kinds of temples. You can go down to a temple and worship at a temple to find, try and find a significant other so that you can feel more fulfilled. Temple with flashing lights and Happy hours. Don't look down. We're just, we're just, we're just talking. <laughs> Love you guys. Or maybe we read the Bible, but it's not necessarily the scriptures that we have from Genesis to Revelation. Maybe the scriptures that we turn the pages of actually look like flicking apps of which we try to find our fulfillment scrolling up and down, left and right. Fulfill me. How many of you known that if you, <laughs> how many of you have ever come away from looking at social media for an hour straight or two hours straight and then you put the phone down and you're like, man, I feel so spiritually edified by that experience. Oh gosh, I feel so built up in my faith. How many of you know that doesn't happen? How many of you know we have gods in Brisbane? See, Family is also, when you walk in spiritual family, family is worshipful. Family is not just beautiful, it's worshipful. And so to gather like this on a Sunday, how many of you know, like, I'm saying how many of you know because I'm trying to enhance this in, in your spirit because I want you to know, okay? I'm saying this often. I'm fully realizing that I'm saying it often. But how many of you know that you could be doing anything else on a Sunday morning? Sleeping in, weather's good, go down to the beach, most markets are on Sundays. I might go down to the market. All of these things vying for our attention, right? I got kids, so there's a special kids' day down here. But when you focus on worshiping the one true God, you are no longer bowing at the altar of those other gods. You are prioritizing him in your family because family is worshipful. And there's a reason why the first commandment addresses this. If you, if you understand the, the concept of the Ten Commandments, which was given to Moses at the, at the beginning of this period, right? Uh, he says in Exodus chapter 20, this is God writing this. This is the only part of the Bible where it's written in God's actual handwriting, which I find powerful. So when God actually writes his, in his handwriting, I think it's really cool that we should pay attention to it. And here's the voice of the Lord. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. Here's the first commandment. Read it with me, everybody. You shall have no other gods before me. Now notice that it doesn't say that there are no other gods because I'm wiping them all out. He's 
acknowledging that there are going to be other gods that will try and buy for your attention, buy for your affection, Vie for your money, your time, your talent, your treasure. Vie for your love and passion. These other gods, they exist. But what he's saying here is that you shall have no other gods before me. I am to be your priority. Listen to me, everybody. If you want to do this now, you can. I urge you, in a culture that makes attending church so disposable, put it in your schedule right now that Sunday is not an option. I will come to worship the Lord unless something emergency-wise has not happened. It's not just to try and build an institute. It's necessary for your growth. It's necessary for your refinement as a son or a daughter of the living God that you fight to come into fellowship. On a Sunday, and Sunday is the bare minimum. I want to encourage you to fellowship as much as you can, to build yourself up amongst the other saints that are in this room today, amongst your spiritual family. It's so necessary. Prioritize this. Put away your other gods and choose this day whom you will serve. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. There are always going to be other gods. Here in Queensland, you know, the biggest church in Queensland is Suncorp Stadium. Or maybe it's the shores of surface paradise. I don't know. But there's so many other gods. I'm not saying don't do these things. Just the same way that God says you shall have nothing else before me. He's not saying subjugate yourself away from, ooh, I can't touch food. Food might be a god. I'm not, I'm not being silly here. What I'm saying is he needs to be your priority, your most evident priority. Otherwise, you will walk around here chasing something that will never fulfill you because there is no God greater than our God. And we need to stop worshiping at the altar of other gods, the God of relationships. Oh, if I get together with him, I'll feel so fulfilled. He's built like a god, Pastor Nelly. <laughs> I, I think he worships Jesus. I think so. He ate a hot cross bun. Maybe the cross means something. I don't know. He might be saved. I'm not sure. But, well, Pastor Nelly, you don't understand. He's got green eyes. And those green eyes are just a sign of the Lord that I need to, you know, what we end up doing is we, we try to cater our lives or twist our lives to fit. Whatever it is that we want to worship, what we truly want to worship. We don't trust his ways. We start living in ways that do not honor God. And you think it's because he's legalistic. No, he's a daddy because daddies have families and you're his son and you're his daughter and he wants what's best for you. There's a reason why there's a law against us going on the M3 and playing volleyball there. Oh, but I don't trust those laws, so I'm just going to go out and stand there and play volleyball right in the middle of the M3 and peak hour traffic. How many of you know that's stupid? And in the same way, we do this with God. God wants what's best for you. He knows what's best for you. He promises us that he's working all things together for the good of those who love him and accord according to his purpose. And we have the nerve to say this to an eternal, almighty, or powerful, or knowing God. I know better than you. So I'm going to trust in my other gods. 
Well, I'm going to trust in myself. I know how to build my family better than you. I know how to build my investment profile better than you. I know how to build my marriage better than you. I know how to just build my life better than you. And I'm going to trust in the God at the bottom of this bottle. I'm going to trust in the God at the end of this this experience that I'm having, jumping out of a plane and, and skydiving or whatever my shopping experiences, traveling to this place. You will always feel like there's still something lacking. Whenever you come into the presence of God, you will never feel like anything lacks because he is our all in all. He is your portion. If anything, you feel like you want more of him. But it's the, it's the, it's the oxymoronic nature of how you feel fulfilled and you still want more of him. Only God can fulfill you. Only God can fulfill you. Then the people answered, far be it from me, far be it from us, that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. For it is the Lord our God who brought us and our fathers from the land of Egypt out of the house of slavery and who did these great signs in which our sight was preserved and preserved in us on all the way that we went and among all the peoples through whom we passed. And the Lord drove out before us all the peoples, the Amorites who lived in the land. Therefore, we also will serve the Lord, for he is our God. Now, what you're seeing here is Joshua's generation. They are the generation that moves into the promised land. There was a generation before them, which was Moses' generation. They did not enter into the promised land. But there had to be enough of a remnant of an understanding of God's truth for Joshua's generation to go in. See, family is not just beautiful. It's not just worshipful, but it's also generational. The kingdom of God is shaped like family. And the kingdom of God is shaped in such a way where it needs to be passed on to the next generation. You want to see how mature you are? How strong you are in the Lord? Show us who and how you are pouring your life into the next generation that is kingdom-shaped. How are we helping the next generation to grow in their faith, to have a firm understanding of the kingdom of God? Now, we've got it harder in this generation because we have the internet. We have access to so much information now that is vying for the attention and for the learning of our young people. And so this generation is able to test your knowledge. And so if we just simply just read the Bible at face value but don't learn to how to, as to how we might impart this knowledge as to how it might apply in their lives or take this knowledge to understand uh, apologetics and know how to defend our faith, we are sending them in a boat down a waterfall because of the onslaught of public opinion. So many opinions are out there trying to pull away and trying to debunk the truth of Scripture. But there's nothing like the presence of God that will shift your life. That beyond any logical, apologetical argument that anybody might be able to present, nothing shifts your life like the presence of God. When's the last time you prayed with your family and just prayed over them to experience the presence of God? I know sometimes they may not like it or enjoy it. Oh, Dad, why do we have to pray again? Oh, man. Oh, Mom, come on. You know, I, I want to do this. I want to do that. You know, like it's, it's making that statement that Joshua made. As for me and my house, 
We're going to serve the Lord. I'm going to fight in order that my children and my children's children will have a knowledge of the scriptures, have a knowledge of God. Sure, there will come a time when they will be able to make their own choices, but at least they know the truth, and the truth will set them free. I'm going to wind this up by talking on that scripture, the last scripture that, that Bianca read, Matthew chapter 19, verses 13 to 15. So they're there, and Jesus is teaching. And as he's teaching, there's a massive crowd of adults there, but then there's children that uh, were brought to him. And these children were brought to him uh, that he may lay hands on them and prayed. And the disciples rebuked the people. Like, Why are you bringing these kids here? It's for us. Us adults. In verse 14, but Jesus said, let the little children come to me. Do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of heaven. And he laid hands on them and went away. I love Jesus. I love how he does this. He rebukes the parents, he rebukes the, the disciples, and he grabs the children, prays for them, and then the parents are like, I'll turn, and he went away. <laughs> Shows his priorities. His priority is the next generation. Like, if we want to see the legacy of this gospel continue, then we have to figure out how to form Christian faith in the next generation. And as your pastor here at Every Nation Brisbane, I am committed whether it's through our campus ministry, our youth ministry, our kids' ministry upstairs that's happening right now, to create an environment where your kids will know the gospel, where your young people here will at least have the opportunity to hear the gospel. And we will address how the gospel is displayed in the choices that we make and the relationships that we keep. But I want to invite you also to take up the opportunity, those of us, let's not say old, let's just say a bit more mature, let's say seasoned, to actually take up the mantle to say, you know what? I'm not going to let another generation go by without the saving knowledge of Jesus. I've already spoken up on it before, but I want to share this again and just remind you that you know, just, over, just around a month ago in the United States, we saw it in Asbury University, but it's continuing to happen in other universities where there's encounters with the power of God in times of prayer and worship. This has not been around the showmanship of how to construct a service, you know. It was, it was just simple acoustic worship, some of it out of tune. But just a bunch of kids in, at Asbury University, they had a uh, chapel service, and the chapel service finished, and then a few of them, a handful of them, about eight of them, just hung around after service and said, man, you know what, I want more. I want more of Jesus. So I'm going to pray. We're going to worship. We're just going to chase after God. And God chose university students to start a move that would set aflame this desire to see revival amongst young people. God's got a heart for young people. And God is trying to ignite that in us. Those of us who are parents, are we truly creating that sort of environment where they're prioritizing God? And, and catch this, they will catch more from your decisions than they will catch what you teach them verbally. I want to end with this quote here. I know it's a little bit long, but I want you to catch the heart of this quote from a, uh, uh, Brian Zand, who's a, a pastor and author and theologian, a philosopher, a Christian philosopher in um, in the United States, he wrote this in his book, The Unvarnished Jesus. 
We need to raise children in the community that are formed and sustained by the grand narrative of Scripture, a story that culminates in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Christian faith cannot long be sustained as a private opinion held by an alone individual. Christianity is not a solo project. Even though you may stubbornly maintain some kind of faith in Jesus without belonging to a church, your children probably will not, and your grandchildren almost certainly will not. One of the essential tasks of the church is to pass on the faith from one generation to another. And without the church, this is nearly impossible if we are interested in our children and grandchildren sharing our faith. We need the church. We need you. We need you to be an example. We need you to not keep your faith secret so secret that nobody else knows about it. This is the concept of family that God is bringing us into. A family that rides through all types of situations to make us and each other beautiful in his time. A family that is worshipful, that is so worshipful they are focused on God. And again, when I talk about worship, I'm not talking about the singing. I'm talking about a life that is poured out for the, for the gospel. And then a family that is generational, understanding that we have the opportunity to pour into the next generation of Brisbaneites, Brisbane uh, residents that live in this city. This is our call to family. And maybe you're here today. Maybe you're visiting, even visiting from another church. If you're visiting from another church, my encouragement to you is get plugged into that family. But here, we're all about family. We're about, obviously, our biological rela uh, family relationships, our mother and father, our sisters and brothers, our parenting and our children. But we're mostly about spiritual family, too. And that this is how God has uh, called us to walk. We make no bones about it. We want to be a multicultural, intercultural spiritual family because that's what heaven's going to look like. It's going to look like a whole bunch of different people worshiping together in all different languages, and every tribe and tongue coming together just to worship Jesus. You know, there's not going to be a Samoan section in heaven and, you know, Korean section in heaven and, you know, uh, uh, Scandinavian section in heaven. We're all going to be together. So we need to learn on this side of eternity to worship together. That's the sort of church we want to be, a spiritual family. So the question I ask just to wind everything up today is, are you a part of spiritual family? If no, would you like to find home? If yes, when it comes to faith in God, what is it that you hope to pass to the next generation? Now, I'm just going to let that question just ring in your heart a little bit today. And maybe you're here today and maybe you've, you're like, yeah, I'm a part of spiritual family, but I need deeper connection. That's cool too. That's the invitation is that maybe that's what needs to change. And I want to invite all of you that, you know, whether you've done it before or you haven't done it before and you want a deeper connection, to come join us today um, after service for DNA because you'll learn more about the concept of spiritual family as we pursue God's heart for it. So I'm just going to invite us into a moment of prayer, discussion, and ministry today. And if you do need prayer, you can just let us know. Just take some time to reflect this morning. Are you a part of spiritual family? Lord, I thank you that your call is to spiritual family. 
Even as um, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 says that you place us in the body of Christ as you see fit. Lord, it's your design for us to walk in family. And so, God, I pray that, Holy Spirit, you would reveal that to us. And, and help us to walk in, in relationship together. I just thank you, God, that you're knitting us. You're, you're helping us, Lord, to recognize your design in walking in right relationship with one another. Help us to find home. And I thank you, Lord, for those of us in this room that have found home, Lord God. I thank you, Lord, that you're, you're helping us with this, Lord. We pray in Jesus' name. Everyone said amen. We hope you've enjoyed today's message brought to you by Every Nation Brisbane. For more information about our church, visit us on the web at enbrisbane.org. Thank you for listening. God bless.